Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, hey, Tony, welcome to the Always Forward podcast. I, uh, I I met you briefly at the High Performance Summit. You're a fellow coaching client of, of B's, right? That's correct. Yeah, man, we did. And, and, now, and now, you're, now you're actually uh, making him money, which is, is brilliant. It's brilliant, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so give everybody that's watching listeners, because I, I think what you have going on is absolutely fascinating. And I feel like I am just now, my, my interest and, and also my ability, I guess, to be able to do some of the things that you're doing is is just now coming into my life right so uh give somebody like the the snapshot of your bio and 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 what you do sure man well thanks for the great introduction and thanks for having me on here so it's a long story so i'll give a quick synopsis of it and i'm happy to deep dive any which way whatever uh long story short i've been in the fitness industry since age 18 so i became a personal trainer at age 18 I actually lost my mother, how I got into it. I lost my mother to drug addiction uh, earlier on in life. And fitness was my outlet, right? Fitness was like my saving grace. It was uh, instead of drugs, violence, crime, right? Fitness was kind of the outlet to go through trauma. Loved it so much. I wanted to help other people who were going through traumas, right? Adversity challenges with fitness. So I was like, all right, quickest route, age 18, go get certified online, personal trainer. Started for a whopping $6 a session at uh, LA Fitness. (laughs) Right at that time, though I'm 18, I'm like, this is great. Six uh, per client. You see, two clients an hour, 12 bucks. Uh, you know, it's a great thing. So, did that. Worked through college. Uh, became a registered dietitian because to me, like the ultimate marketing thing is, all right. Every personal trainer has to refer to a dietitian. Every dietitian has to refer to a personal trainer. It's kind of like in football. If I can throw, if I can run, I'm, I'm I will never be without a job. Right. So, right. I get my own credential. Uh, all my friends, you know, I'm 23 now, so I get my RD credential. I do all the clinicals. I do all that. All my friends are going to take uh, clinical jobs, salary jobs, nursing home jobs. And I'm like, I'm going to go work for 100% commission at Lifetime Fitness. They laughed. They thought I was crazy, whatever. Well, within three years, I was running seven clubs there, um, 100% commission, which was a blessing in disguise. So if anyone listening to this is entrepreneurial, one of the best things I ever did was not take a salary. Right, get used to getting paid to produce, not paid to show up. Yeah. Um, but I was 26, regional manager there. Uh, they said, "Congrats, you hit the ceiling. You hit the ceiling. Right? There's nowhere else for you to go. Uh, as humans, we're put on earth for two things. I truly believe uh, to give and to grow. So at 26, being told I can't grow anymore, I'm like, all right, I got to get out of here. What like what comes next? This can't be the pinnacle. Uh, I'm online and researching, seeing online business, online this stuff. I follow a guy named Bedros Koulian, who you mentioned. He launched a mentorship program, which was $10,000 back then. I had $9,000 to my name. So I did $9,000, swacked up the credit card for the rest, flew out there. And I'm like, yeah, I think I want to open a studio, you know, kind of like what you do with Fitbody Bootcamp, but I'll be the dietitian. Yeah, yeah. I'll be the first here. I'll hire other trainers. He's like, no, man, go online. <laughs> yeah. He's like, go what, y- what year was this? 
2016. Wild, man. So you were like, you were, you were way ahead of things, man. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was coming in for online nutrition coaching. I was definitely early for like YouTube and all that. I was, I was late, you know, I uh, yeah, we were, it too. yeah, we were all late. We were all late to, on that, but I, I mean, I'm 40, yeah. man. And I started, I launched, and this is not by, we launched the Agogi, which is our online fitness uh, coaching company. We launched that business online the month we got shut down in COVID, which yeah. was not planned. It, we planned it, obviously, like we planned it to launch it. Um, and then we launched that that month that, that we got shut down. And I, I did have a brick and mortar gym. Uh, I got raided by the police. You know, everybody that follows me knows that. Um, but we made more money. You'll appreciate this. We made more money our first month of online coaching than we did at the gym, uh, the whole gym, with no almost no overhead. Crazy. Anyway, so go Crazy. ahead. So 2016, you're 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 doing online online uh, dietitian training. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's like you said, man. Um, great reminder. We're all late, but the the best time to start was yesterday. Yeah. Second best time is today. You know what I mean? So I, I really uh, resonate with that too. Um, so yeah, I go. He's like, go online. All right, so I go online, start doing online nutrition coaching because I'm a registered dietitian. Year one sucked. I didn't really do well. I struggled. You know, copywriting, running ads. Uh, we tried running ads a lot to cold traffic. Like no one knew who I was. Whatever. Yeah. Then I started cater and year two was making a few hundred thousand dollars. Dietitians started hiring me to do their nutrition. I had like 12, 15 dietitian clients. And I just kind of pulled one on the side. I'm like, you know what to do. Why are you hiring me? And they go, well, I want to learn how to do what you do in my own business. And then that started off with one person paying me to teach them sales, marketing, online coaching as a business, right? Because dietitians are very acutely trained, like a 10-minute diet education, 15-minute diet education. If you say program to them, they can't think beyond one hour. So I kind of brought that to the dietetics field from my personal training background, like periodization of programs of six, nine, 12 month programs. And the field never saw that before. So we created the Online Dietitian Academy. We uh, created the Nutrition Coaching Certification for Dietitians, kind of like Precision Nutrition, but specifically yeah. for dietitians. We had 1,200 customers in 20 countries like, within a year. Uh, grew that, ran masterminds, scaled that, left, became a multiple seven-figure business, very low overhead. And then long story short, I had to take that and do something with it. Stocks didn't make sense. Crypto didn't make sense. Blowing it on Ferraris and Fendi's watches, whatever, didn't make sense. You know, um, I invested in real estate and started off with a single family home. Uh, by the end of next month, we'll own 72 units, about 10 million in assets. Didn't know what that was. I thought that was just a, a hobby, kind of like, oh, I'll invest in whatever. And next thing I know, whoa, this is a business. It's a very different than the online business so a lot of comparisons and contrast that i really appreciate but that's the story in a nutshell man that's where we are today that's absolutely so 10 million in assets and how old are you right now just turned 32 32, uh, 32 years old that's yeah. got it that's got to blow your mind man i, I got you got to wake up and be like damn i'm blessed i do but i also wake up and say damn what what comes next i kind of have that weird complex of like proud but not satisfied but Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm Christian. Um, I went through a lot of adversity that I feel without God's guidance, yeah. there's no way I would have been to the show. Well, you, you have, say that. You have yeah. to have that anchor. You have to have that rock, right? 
So, uh, so that's really one. So are you still doing the, the, I, on your Instagram, it still has the dietitian stuff. Are you still doing that as well? Yeah, I get asked that a lot. So I still own that company. We still run it kind of runs without me uh, yeah. with our products. And our services. Um, I really kind of make a decision and stay with my content. Like what am I passionate about now? Um, the financial education, the financial literacy, no, I'll be transparent. I'm so enamored by people who can do the same thing for 10, 20, 34 years. I know personal trainer, 76 years old, still 12 times a day. Love it. Like yeah. from sun up to sun down. I just constantly seek new challenges. I think again, as humans, like we seek challenge, we seek growth and like the nutrition content. I'm just like, how many times can I say protein, carb, fat, you know, yeah, or like, yeah, you I'm just like, I've done it since I was 18. So I sought a new challenge to solve. And the financial literacy just seems to be a huge problem in our world today yeah. and a huge need that I see. Yeah. And you just launched that, your new book, right? Yeah. Yes, we did. Yeah. So yeah. On Amazon. On Amazon. Got it. And what's the name of it? So just everybody can go grab that. I need to go grab it. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. I have a copy right here. So I will, since you open the door, I will shamelessly plug it. So I appreciate it. Yep. Yeah. The new rules for financial freedom that actually Bezos uh, told me to write. I'll be honest. I thought we were going to like give it away just for free. Um, I, I didn't actually expect it to go on Amazon. So I'm kind of grateful. He didn't tell me to, that we were going to put it on Amazon. Cause there's probably no way I would have done yeah, it yeah, as yeah. quickly as I did. Just everything I've learned, uh, everything we're not taught about financial education in school. Like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, why weren't we taught these things? Like most people don't even realize like what the bank does with your money. I didn't, I know I didn't, you know, it's crazy. So that is the book. Thanks for mentioning it. Uh, I actually just saw something from, uh, I don't know how, how, how much, I mean, obviously you're going to know a thousand times more about all this stuff, but I, I saw a funny little reel about Grant Cardone. He doesn't even own his own house because, <laughs> and then he broke down why. And I was like, Pfft. I was like, Oh yeah. my God, man. Like, he's like, why would I own something that doesn't make any money? He's like, everybody's making money off of you, man, for you living there. And, and you can talk, you know, you, you can argue assets and blah, blah, blah. He's like, but at the end of the day, it's like, you'd have to sell that house for like 160% to break even. And I was like, and I, I ran the math and I was like, it's a, he's a hundred percent correct. So, yeah. um, yeah. anyways, so, so talk to me about, and you mentioned something right there and, and I'm kind of similar. Like I have to have, I'm never really satisfied. You know, we get, we, you, you reach a goal or you reach an objective and I'm just like, all right, cool. What's the next thing? You're like, what's there's no, because there is no finish line, right? There is no point of arrival. It's there's, it's infinite until the day you die, right? We're all striving to be a 10. Well, a, a small percentage of us are striving to be a 10, right? Uh, you know, we can right. get to eight and nine, but the 10 is never there. And we're always pushing that until the day we die. So, it, so one of the things that do you have this feeling that you're never doing enough? Mm -hmm. that you're leaving it on the table. Do you struggle with that? Oh, absolutely. And I always joke, I'm like, instead of therapy, I just kept hiring Bedros every year because he is of similar cloth, you know, and I'm from right outside of Detroit, Michigan. Like I, I went to school in Detroit. I was born in Detroit. I worked in Detroit. Uh, we lived like two miles outside of Detroit, Michigan. Mm -hmm. Nobody I knew do, did any of this stuff. Like yeah. business was like, own like a chicken shop in Detroit, you know, which is like my extended family did raw chicken. That's why I worked um, since I was like 18. But yeah, man, uh, it, it's just kind of like adversity creates desire. 
right? And, you know, I was blessed to go through a lot of adversity early on in life, you know, to uh, we filed bankruptcy, Chapter 7 bankruptcy, 14. I, I learned what that term meant, you know. My mother was a drug addict. Uh, would come over to the house uh, slurring, like just, like, just in a stupor, uh, would get arrested in front of our house. The police were at our house all the time. That adversity caused me to want more in life, to want a better life for my family one day, to want financial freedom, even though I didn't know what that term meant back then, and security. So that adversity creates the desire. So for anyone listening to this, like you have to really appreciate your adversities. You have to seek almost like in a weird, cynical way, like seek adversity. I know if I'm extremely Struggle. comfortable, yeah. I'm not growing, right? Which I know you know all about and yeah. you speak to so right? We, we grow through that discomfort. So that's where that comes from. And, and once you do start to accumulate success, you have two options, right? Take your foot off the, the gas pedal, which I've learned from mentorship through, through Bezos, we mentioned. He's told me countless and countless and countless examples of people who started to make it and take their foot off the gas pedal. There, there is no stagnation in life, right? We're dynamic creatures. We are growing or we are dying. That's it. So whenever people are like, I'm just going to maintain, you're going to regress. You're regressing. The world's moving past you and you're regressing. Yeah. Dude, the half-life for any bit of information, half-life, uh, someone's not familiar, means like you take, like, there's some caffeine in here, right? Half-life for caffeine, I forget, it's like 12 hours. So if there's 200 milligrams, 12 hours later in my body, 100 milligrams is still active. The half-life for everything we are learning today about online business entrepreneurship, about six months. So that means half of everything we know today in six months, 50% will be relevant. You have to grow. You have to be learning constantly or else, like you said, you're just getting pushed aside. Yeah. So I, I'm the same. I'm the same. I can, I can work like I wake up at five, you know, by eight o'clock I've done more than most people do in an entire week. Right. In one day right. or maybe a month. I don't know. Um, right. but even I'm like, my brain won't even function anymore. Right. I can't even like put a sentence together. Like I've, I've hung out with my wife, hung out with my kids done all the calls, done all the business, produced content, whatever it is, um, made the money. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm so physically exhausted, but I'm like, I felt, I have this feeling like, oh man, there, there's gotta be a way that I could have done more. And, and, uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm physically mentally done, you know, I'm smoked. And, you know, if you're not passing out by the end of the day, you're just not putting enough effort into your life. Um, That's it, man. yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about, let's talk about financial freedom and real estate. Well, I guess let's get into what, 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 what would be better to start with? Because I want to, I want you to open up a little bit of your, your book. I want to open up some of these concepts because I want young people and people, you know, and all people, but you know, young people that are coming up to understand these concepts, to understand what we were talking about with, you know, the, you know, basically the bank owning your house and, uh, utilizing other people's money and interest rates and things because this is not being taught and people are being set up to be be in the herd they're set up to be in the flock and anytime you go outside of the law of averages the universe wants to smack you down and put you back down into the law of averages put you back in the herd and there's going to be some there's going to be some struggles when you kind of break out of that so but there's a way to do it you're in your early 30s mm -hmm. you own 10 million dollars in, in in real estate right you, you've you've built multiple seven figure businesses. Uh, you're married, right? You have kids. No kids. Two no dogs. Kids. No kids. Two kids. Okay. Okay. No so you've got it. You've got a small family. 
you know, you obviously your wife does some does work with you, but uh, you have to invest into her as well. Like you guys have to have a decent relationship. Otherwise, your world goes to shit. So sure. so talk to me. What, what, what do you want to start with? Fi uh, the finances or the real estate? You know, man, even a step before that, put in line with what you're saying, education. Okay. Education, awareness, and awareness precedes change, right? Um, even back to my nutrition coach, I couldn't just come in and tell someone, you're eating like shit. Right? I would never professionally say that to somebody. I would get them just to log their intake for yeah. seven days. Let them create awareness that that awareness then proceeded to change. I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize every day after lunch, I would grab those little Twinkies or Snickers or whatever, right? Because it's a funny thing in nutrition. People are always like, I can't understand why I don't lose weight. I barely eat anything. It's like, oh, no problem. I totally get it. Track for a week and they're like, I eat like shit all day. They just weren't aware. We're, we're very good at lying to ourselves. Yeah. Uh, on, on that note, when we onboard people, the average protein intake for a male that comes onto the agogi is 67 grams a day. Oh. 67 grams. Like yeah. 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 Anyways, continue. So the same thing with your finances, like basic stuff, become aware, right? Look at your bank account every day for 30 days, right? Is, is more money coming in or is it going out? And these are just like the fundamental things my wife and I started doing, right? Track your net worth. Most people, I'd probably say nine out of 10 people listening to this right now, don't track their net worth. They might not even know what it is and that's okay. Your net worth is just everything you, you own minus everything you owe. And for a lot of people, it's probably in the red. That's where I started off. When I started off my, my business, I was in the red, thousand bucks, right? But awareness. And then you start to see, okay, my decisions daily. Are these improving my net worth or are these reducing my net worth? Is this increasing my cash flow or reducing my cash flow? So starting with that, becoming what we call financially literate, understanding the difference between an asset, between the liability. Like you were saying, most people consider their home an asset. I can, I, you can argue each way and I agree, but to me, an asset pays me a liability I pay for. So my primary home, one I'm in right now, technically is a liability. Now I have an office. My wife has an office. We have a, you know, other studio in there for content. So we get to maximize the liability, but right. liability, every single one of those rental properties was an asset because I was buying it, but it paid me. And I was using debt. And that's another thing people hear. Oh, debt. I can't, I mean, we would get all the time people who want to join our programs didn't want to use their credit card to sign up for it, even though it could teach them to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're like, because debt's bad. I was always taught debt is bad. Well, there's two types of debt. There's good debt, which pays you. So I'm in millions of dollars of debt, but I have a positive net worth of, you know, a few million bucks because I use debt, other people's money to go buy assets, that cash flow. So it's just understanding these things. And a big, big part of it is we receive the, the majority of our money mindset and our money conditioning from our environment growing up. Parents, school teachers, right? Friends, uncles, aunts, whatever. So becoming aware for anyone listening, just some tactical things. Number one, track your net worth. Look at your bank account daily. Write down like what, what's happening, right? Track the progress. Um, and then look at what assets do you have and what liabilities do you have. Don't, don't count your clothes. You're not going to go sell your clothes. Don't count your furniture, like hard assets. Like what do you really have? Right. 
um, and then look at the cash flow position of that. So starting with financial education, and then that's where things like passive income, real estate, and all that comes. But if you don't have the education, right, you can't, especially with real estate, because real estate's not like trading stocks on the internet. It's it's hands on, you know, it really is. Um, so hopefully that gives some framework. There and you and you people. have an education course, correct? So we have an online education course for uh, nutrition, for dietetics and, and dietitians. Um, we have the book right now for this, and we'll have some coaching and some other things coming out later this year. For, so get the, uh, the so get so get the book to start with that. Yeah, that's I teach in here in like a hundred pages because I wanted to be clear and advice. I teach in here, man. Uh, everything I just wish I would have known. You know, everything I wish they would have taught in college. Like even earlier on, I was just putting money in a four hundred one k because that's what you're supposed to do. But then, really, most people don't even know what a four hundred one k is. Like who manages it. Right? And just ask questions. If someone tells you to invest in a 401k, just ask them why. If they say it's safe, well, who manages it? What does the 401k own? Does the 401k provide uh, cash flow? No, it doesn't. A lot of people think a 401k is tax-free. It's tax-deferred. And you're probably going to pay more taxes on it later because you're going to be in a higher income tax bracket. So just, just question your sources. And I, I talk about that. Listen, the there's nothing wrong with investing in a 401k, right? But every single time as an entrepreneur myself, every single time some older person, and I'm, you know, being liberal with that, I'm 40, you know, says, well, you should invest, you know, you should be investing in a 401k and then blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh God, I immediately tuned, I immediately tuned them out. They're like, you know, you get a job, do this, you know, work for 30 years, invest in your 401k. And at 65 and a half, you can start living your life. I'm like, yeah, but, uh, I'm going to go and start living today. And I'm going to, that 15 K that I can put in the, I don't know what it is, but 15 K a year or something like that. You can put a 401 K. How about 15 K a month? I'll just make instead of a year. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Anyways. So, okay. So we're financially illiterate. We understand our net worth. All right. Um, now let's, let's do a hypothetical, you know, situation here. I'm 22. I want to get into real estate. What's my move? Tony, I understand. I got, you know, I got a hand, I got some, I got some ducats. I got a handful of dollar bills. What do I do? It's a great question, man. And this is what I call like the hierarchy of investing, right? First thing, because I, I get this question a lot, like, hey, I've got, I've got a thousand bucks. I want to get into real estate. Uh, I've got 15, 15 grand, whatever. First thing, always invest in yourself right? Your income will never exceed your mindset and your right. level of personal development. The thing I invested on so much from like 26 to 29 was my coaching mentorship, yeah. right? Career and business. So number one, invest in yourself. I mean, whatever that means for you, right? Experiences, coaching, mentorship, uh, Go- skill set, sales, negotiation. Speed, what that is that builds speed and efficiency. So instead of you figuring it out in five years, you can figure it out in a year with a coach. What 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 takes you what takes you five years? Yeah, you're you're compressing time, you know. And so instead of making it by thirty, you're like, oh man, by twenty three, I'm already I've got the information that I would have gained on my own at thirty, and I would something I wish I would have done. And I've said that here publicly uh, multiple times that that's the one regret as an entrepreneur in the past ten years that I wish that I would have done earlier is I would have I wish I would have skipped a lot of headaches by hiring a coach early on, even when I couldn't afford it, I would have put it on credit instead of putting all the other bullshit on debt, 
you know, like, like hard assets and all these different things that I'm trying to sell and, you know, and this equipment and, and all the bullshit that I would, I did, I would have invested in a coach first and skipped all the, the headache and just went to making money. But anyways, so you invest in yourself and you're investing yourself. Go ahead. Yep. So invest in yourself. That's the number one thing. Then I'm a big proponent. If you are entrepreneurial in mindset, which if you're getting into real estate, you, you have to be entrepreneurial. It's a business you're buying. Uh, invest in a business and start some sort of business. Like we were just saying the power of an online business. If you have a skill set, if you have a knowledge, if you have a passion, start documenting that for free. What's social media, what things like we're doing right now, podcasting, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, whatever, put it out there. Try to create a business out of it, right? Because yeah. real estate is capital intensive. And there's a lot of courses and just gurus out there. Go buy real estate with no money down. I don't know how to do that. We fund all of our own deals. The only reason we were able to fund those deals is because I did have a high cash flow producing business. Right. So go start this and learn. Learn business. Learn profit and loss. Learn income, expenses. Learn growth. Learn marketing. Learn sales. Because that's really what business uh, or, or what real estate is, right? So create a business. Then as you build a business, which as you know, you are a solopreneur. You do everything yourself, right? So sooner or later, get out of a job and turn it into a business. Invest in a team, invest in other people, right? To, to delegate to that you can create infrastructure with your business. And then at the pinnacle, after you do that, then I say get into real estate. Because no matter what, real estate... It's amazing. It really is. It's amazing all the things we can do. And I, I can break it all down, tax benefits and all that. But it's not going to pay you like an online business can. It just won't. Like my real estate today is not going to throw off hundreds of thousands of dollars in my bank account this month. Like some months, I, I barely break even because of expenses. I just put on my Instagram, uh, a freaking tenant cost $2,500. Yeah. They're like, no, 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 sweetie, don't worry about a coloring book. Just color on Tony's wall. It's, it, it's so much better, you know? So, um, it's just those things, man. So yeah, and there's, and there's literally, goal. there's literally nothing you can do about that, that those things are going to happen. Yeah. What are you yeah. going to do? Yeah. Right. Cost of doing business, man. Right. Yeah. Um, so invest in yourself, invest in a business, create, create some, even do, even if it makes people don't realize how easy it is to make $3,000 a month with an online business right now. Like if you can't do that shit, man, I shared, you know, like what are, I share people, you know, they, I have a mentorship group for, you know, lifestyle business, you know, men trying to move the needle in their life. And we we're talking about making money. And I said, listen, guys, it blew my mind. There's a, a, that day I found out of a guy who was making uh, $4,000 a month on Amazon selling lined paper with a journal cover. Yeah. Lined paper, bro. Lined paper making four grand a month. I mean, he's got other jobs too, but he's making four grand a month selling lined paper on Amazon. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Opportunities, man. Yeah. We have opportunities. That's what people, uh, we don't realize how blessed we are today with the technology we have. This, this thing is a business. You know, the power of this is, uh, is unreal. So it's go a, start a business. Go make some it's a mil money. You're holding a million dollars in your hand. Easy. A million dollars a year in your hand. Yeah. And the ability to connect with anyone and everyone across yeah. the globe, right? Um, sooner or later, if it takes off and you really like it, don't create a job. Don't the, the DIY mentality. Do it yourself, right? Create a create a system, create a product, create something that runs without you, and then go into real estate, man. It was only after I had excess capital and I, I like maxed out investing myself 
I still invest in myself every year, that I started to seek that other option for passive income. Um, and that's where I think the real estate comes into it. What did you, what was your first buy? Single family house, single family house in a really nice area here uh, in Michigan. And then I went like the month later and bought one, one more. I thought, I was like, all right, I just like houses, single family houses, everyone always needs a little house. That's the way to do it. Um, but I quickly realized that's not the most efficient way to scale. And I don't know, like you mentioned Grant Cardone, he owns thousands of apartments, not thousands of homes. It's crazy the difference of a home versus an apartment. So to do it over again, would you still do that or would you go straight into apartments? You know, man, I'm a big believer in imperfect action beats standing still. I've said this a million times to myself. Of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So yeah. knowing what I know now, of course I'd go buy apartments. Would I have had the confidence to pull the trigger and to buy the apartments I've been buying? Probably not. So to be honest, buying a house, you're not as scared. It makes sense. If you've lived in a home or if you've owned a home, you're like, I get it. Buying an apartment, it's scary, man, because that is a business and the bank looks at you as if you better know how to run a business. You buy a house and it's like, okay, whatever, you want a house. They just qualify you on your income. When you buy an apartment, the bank's going to qualify you on your business plan, on the property's performance, and your liquidity. So totally different. Yeah, see, I, I guess I'm at the age and in, in, in success level to where I'm like, uh, you, uh, you know, a million dollar quadplex, yeah, whatever. That's <laughs> not really, it's not really that stressful. I understand the process and everything, but I can imagine being young and trying to go into that, you know, out the gate going, Ooh, you know, but so, so I guess hindsight, if you knew what you knew now, you'd go into an apartment and, and build that business plan because of the, because yeah. of the, because of the revenue, can you break down the difference between a single family home and an apartment building because I've, I've listened to you, you know, and, and a lot of your reels and the reasons why you do and, and which ones you buy and which ones you don't. Can you, can you break those things down for us? Totally, man. So kind of high level single family is anything of one to four units. I don't know who invented this rule, but one to four units is single family. When you go buy a single family property, the bank only looks at really two things. Well, three, but the appraisal, the will it appraise. But more importantly, you and your ability to pay back the loan through so your debt to income ratio. Mm -hmm. That's why I said earlier, if you don't have cash flow, you're not going to buy any property. No one's going to lend you money to buy property. Uh, your cash flow, and then they just look at the property. Like, did it, you know, appraise, did it inspect, all those good things. Oh, and your credit score, those three things, right? That's it. When you buy an apartment, but a, a single family home, think about it. You have one tenant, one tenant. Tenant moves out, you are 100% vacant. That's it. You have no source of income. One of the biggest things I learned from online business, business in general, the worst number is one. One way to make money. One tenant, right? One funnel, one way to get traffic. One's the worst freaking number. So single family home, one tenant, you have a big issue if it goes vacant, right? Mm -hmm. Apartments are five units and above. When you buy apartments, the bank looks at you as you are buying a business. Single family homes, even duplexes and triplexes and fourplexes, believe it or not, they were built for people to live. That's the way the bank views them. You are buying this to live in. So as we started to acquire more and more single family properties, we bought duplexes and a four unit. The bank's just like, why are you doing this? They, they made it harder and harder. You can only have 10 single family 
loans, conventional mortgages in your name, and I max those out. An apartment, they're like, you're, you're buying a business. So they treat you like a business. They will evaluate you personally and your debt to income a little bit, but they evaluate the property. Does the property make money? What's the property's expense? What's your business plan with the property? And so recently, we closed on a 16 unit. Someone moved out they, right away. They're like, I'm out of here. I don't like it. New ownership. I'm out of here. That's what they do, right? That's what they do. Um, I don't want to say I don't care, but I don't care as much because I've got 15 people paying down all my debt, you know? Um, and the potential to force appreciation and force value, real estate builds wealth in four ways. Number one, cash flow. I received my money back today. If you buy right, if you buy right. Number two, leverage. I'm using 80% of the bank's money to buy a property. Only 20% of my own. That's leverage. Bank of America will lend you money to buy a home or buy an apartment, but they won't lend you money to buy Bank of America stock. So like when you understand that, think about why we're incentivized to buy real estate. Number three, tax benefits. Uh, I say this very humbly, but very transparently. I used to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, income tax. I don't pay income tax anymore. We legally, 100% legally, IRS approved because my wife was called a real estate professional. Uh, there's an IRS tax code that allows us to deduct our losses from our real estate against our active income, which is our online business, but we don't pay taxes legally. And then number four, uh, appreciation. Even though you can depreciate real estate, you can write off real estate, real estate values tend to go up over time if you buy in a good area, right? If you buy in a good area. I know Grant Cardone says don't buy in Detroit because there's snow, but guess what? A lot of people like good suburbs in Detroit. It's a good, stable Midwest uh, economy, good, stable Midwest communities, right? It's not the wild appreciation of like a South Florida or Texas. We don't have the volatility either. So right. those are the So with uh, multifamily too, the last kind of big benefit, single family home, when you go to sell it, or do a cash out refinance, which is if you improve it, you can take your money out, which is really, really powerful. Talk about that in the book too. You get to recycle money, and use the same money over and over again. Single family homes get valued on comparable sales. So if your neighbor is valued at 300,000 and the neighbor next to that is 300,000, the neighbor behind you is 300,000, you might get 325, but you're not getting 600,000. It just can't happen even because if, you're even if it's a six hundred thousand dollar house, right? I mean, that's it. It's, well, then you bought in a really you you over improved for the area. And again, I'm not saying never ever, but they're going to look on comparable sales. That's when an appraiser goes off of a home. Because back to what I said earlier, it's not a business; it's built for someone to live in. So yeah, maybe you get four fifty, five hundred. I don't know, right? But you're not going to be this like crazy outlier, right? Right. If it's comparable now, like if it's a mansion and everything else there is a duplex, maybe, but then why'd you buy a mansion by duplex? <laughs> you know what I mean? That doesn't matter. Right. Um, an apartment is valued off of what a business is valued off. Cash flow. N-O-I, net operating income. Your business is valued on how much money it produces after expenses. My business is valued on how much income it produces after expenses. Apartments are valued the same way. So if you're a business person, if you're an entrepreneur, back to my pyramid, learn to run a business before you go buy real estate. And you can come into an apartment. This is what we do. We find burnt, burnt out, tired, mom and pop landlords who try to do everything themselves. You can't do it. Buy from them. Install professional property management. We increase the income. We decrease the expenses. We make the property better, nicer, 
cleaner, safer by deploying capital, we force appreciation because the income goes up, the expenses are high in the beginning, but then soon enough those normalize because we're not pumping capital back into it. And the bank goes, whoa, this made, when you bought it, it made 50 grand a year. Now it makes 90,000 a year. That's what they value on. So that's the main difference. But I mean, how long did it take you to learn this? Like what was the process of, of, of figuring all that out? You know, I'm still learning every day, right? So I think <laughs> yeah, I- We all are, yeah, I get it. Yeah, uh, I, I started, I, I was what, in Newport was your, Beach. Well, I'll ask this, you bought two single family homes. What was your first apartment yeah. and how big was that? It was a seven unit, the uh, A plus area here in Michigan. Mm -hmm. I landed on the MLS and I did something I don't recommend doing. I guaranteed $100,000 like non-refundable to close on it. And I won it off the MLS. So, but it's in an A plus area. It's like surrounded by $4 million houses. So did, did yeah, that you, was, did, that, you, did you sleep during that time? Long story short, no, because <laughs> we found out it had major environmental issues. It was built on these things. You don't know in perfect action, right? Yeah. It was built on an apple orchard which you would think is pretty innocuous, but come to find out apples are fucking toxic in the, in the ground, something with apple seeds. I, I kid you not Google it. It's our so we had to go yeah. through it. Yeah. The, the bank almost didn't lend on it and we were going to lose a hundred thousand dollar non-refundable deposit. Right. So no, I didn't sleep well <laughs> to answer your oh question, my but God. now I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. do you have your own property management company or is, do you find a property management company that's going to do it? And you're basically the, the top level investor overseer, or manager of, of how you're going to run the business and let them do the day to day. That's exactly it. I have no inclination to go create a property management company and I don't recommend anyone doing it. It's a great thing if they have it, but it's very capital intensive. It's very, very low margin. They, I mean, they make 8% off my property. That's okay. it. So do you have, if, do you have multiple or do you find a partner that's like, Hey, this is, this is our people that I'm going to partner with as a mark, a property management, or do you run multiple? I use the same one. I've been fortunate. The first one to use did really well. And I've grown with them. Now as we get bigger and bigger, we could maybe venture out. Cause it's like, it's kind of like a relationship or it's kind of like a business partner. Not every business partner can fulfill every need. Right. Yeah. Um, so we use the same one and yeah, no. So I just asset manage. I manage the assets, the plan, right. The structure, the capital improvements, but, Toilets, termites, and tenants, I don't deal with. Nice. So it's, it's, it is truly the business side of it that you guys are focused on, the investment and the business side. That's it. That's it. Day to day, like I'm anonymous right now because of the power of the internet. They could probably find out who I am pretty easily. Um, but I'm anonymous to the tenants. I'm anonymous to the front line. I'm even anonymous to the property managers. We just deal with our direct, uh, the, the company owner essentially. And yeah, man, that's it. The, the, the high level structuring, the way a business should be ran, right? Um, you said, I think, I think it was you that said that you don't buy a, you don't buy anything that's not going to make money day one. Mm -hmm. I don't. Yeah. Um, what's the concept? Of, can you break down the concept of that? I don't gamble, man. I don't know. I just don't, uh, I don't have that bone in me. My wife and I go to Vegas cause we like the food, we like the shows. 
we'll put 20 bucks in at the slot machine at the win. We get pissed and we're like, we don't, it just doesn't make sense to us. Like, I don't get it. We're out of here. All right. It's um, funny you say that because business is gambling. In a sense, it is. But I never felt risk betting on myself. And I think everyone listening to this, if you Same. go into business, Same. you're I, betting on yourself. I bet on myself every day of the week. I can't put one freaking penny in a slot machine. 100%. 100%. So entrepreneurs, you have to bet on yourself. And if you're going to bet on anything in this world, you have to bet on yourself. So, yeah, yeah that's that's something I economize. Um, because it doesn't cash flow day one, Nick. You're speculating. You're, you're hoping. I hope the rents go up or I hope the area goes up. Dude, I'm not clairvoyant. You're not clairvoyant. No one knows the future. I buy for cash flow on day one. I want to know if I can't increase the rent, if the property doesn't go up, if whatever, I know my debt is covered. And that's why it's an asset. So if you buy without cash flow on day one, you're buying a liability. You're buying something you have to see. We call it an alligator. It's just eating your money up, right? If the property can't support itself, don't buy it. It just makes no sense. Go buy cash flow. That's the whole reason you buy real estate is to get cash flow. So yeah, don't, I, I strongly recommend. I know people do it. They, they gamble on appreciation, but that's exactly it. You're, you're gambling. You're hoping. Do you have a formula worked out for what you're charging versus what the property is? What, could you explain what do you mean versus so like, what I'm charging? Yeah, so say you buy a million-dollar property. It's got X amount of units. Do you have a mm-hmm. formula worked out where I need each each apartment to rent for X amount based off of what the overall property costs? Do you have that? Is is that a is that a thought process or is it more about the area and the industry? It is. No, it really is. And if you ask ten different real estate investors who own a decent sized portfolio, what do you invest for? Everyone's going to say something different. What you're referring to is what cash on cash return. Right. So to buy a million dollar property, I have to put 200 grand in. Most people say they want to see a 10% cash on cash return, right? I'll be honest, man. Here's what I really look for. And this is not for everyone. This is just how I do it. I've just talked to so many people who are multi, like DECA millionaires, centi-millionaires. So that's 10 million, 50 million, 100 million net worth. And you know what they say, Nick? Buy, let in, buy in good areas. Don't worry about day one. Like make sure it cash flows, but don't get caught up on day one, even year one, year two, year three numbers. I talked to a gentleman here who's worth well over a hundred million dollars, owns sixteen hundred properties. And he said, year five, seven, ten, it's compounding. It's crazy. It's powerful because we live in an inflationary economy, right? Yeah. Real estate. You can't lose less in good areas. So I don't stress about year one as long as it cash flows, pays on the debt, pays all the expenses, right? Puts a little bit of money in my pocket. I just get geeked up of like where these properties could be 10 years because of inflation. They, you know, our, our government loves to print money and loves to create the fiat currency and look. So real estate, man, that's, that, that's what I focus on. But for most people, I'd say a safe rule is every unit should give you $100 free and clear cash flow. So that's after the mortgage. So not that much. So you're not looking. No. And out the gate, you're really not looking for that much money. No, man. Get rich slow. It's not get rich quick. It's get rich slow. It, it's it's watching grass grow. And that's why it's like, I saw, I, I got an ad today. I got targeted. 
if you're not making six figures in real estate by the end of this year, you're doing something wrong. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I mean, whatever. they, they, they got to gotta get people's attention, right? The how it's like you, you, do the op- you do the opposite of that ad. You're like, what? Get rich really yeah. slow. And, you know, so I, I get it. But, th- but you're right. Fast money is fast money gained is fast money lost. And uh, I yeah. think that there's something to be said for patience. We don't, you know, yeah. the, the most people, and especially in business, do not have patience. And, right. you know, <laughs> long story short, and my, you know, my people have heard a lot of this story. I got fired my first job out of the Marine Corps. Um, I, I got fired. My contract got ended. And, uh, man, that was a wake-up call. Because, you know, for 12 years, I'm in the military. I'm serving in special operations. You can't get fired in the military. You know, you can get fired from position, but you're still first and the 15th. You're getting paid. Your family, you got health care. It doesn't matter. You have a you have a term you have a term of service that you have to do. I'm making almost two hundred thousand dollars a year, and all of a sudden my contract it is ended, and I'm like, holy shit, man! I I don't have a job, you know, but that was the uh, that was the catalyst because I did something on that program that they took and rolled out to the entire company. And that was a catalyst for me starting my own company. And, and I started my own company. I had this idea and I was like, oh man, this is gonna be a million dollar, this can be a million dollar business within 12 months. And I totally believed that until I was like, oh, and then it just became so much actually harder, you know, and it's taken me, you know, 10 years to get to that. Um, but that was something that I think that most entrepreneurs don't really learn that it's gonna take you exponentially longer, but the longer it takes you, there is no, you know, there's some hockey sticks in your life, but the, you know, every successful person I've ever met, it's like a decade and then another yeah. decade and then another decade. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's really what it takes. And you know, I think that's a lesson right there is, so you started your first property when you were how old? Well, my first one, I was 29. So you've only, you've only been at this a few years. Three years, man. And I, I resonate with that so much. Because my online business didn't really take off until I was like 28, 29. But I had that decade of it, because that's where people were like, oh my God, you started this online business two years. But I had eight years eight of years. the trenches. Yeah. Before it, before well, it really blew up. Yeah. So I, I resonate with that. And that's how I do the real estate thing. Like, I'm just planting seeds, dude. I'm just planting seeds. And I know... 10 years, like where would that be? Right. So that I a hundred percent agree and resonate. Yeah. And, and ten, you know, you know, 10, you know, another, you've been at it three years. So another seven years, I probably wouldn't be able to get a hold of you for this podcast. You'd be somewhere else. You'd be like, so, so what's, so what's next? So you're, you're at three years, you got $10 million of property, right? Is that basically what you're, what you said? Um, yep. What is your, what do you feel like is the next move? Do you just continue to grow properties? At what point is the yeah. threshold to where you're like, I can't even manage the, this? Yeah, that's such a great question. You know, I right now I am in growth. I am in acquire mode. Uh, I am in expansion mode. You know, uh, people do get to a point to where they're like, all right, I've accumulated enough. Now I will aggressively pay down debt. I will start to pay off properties. Uh, for me at 32, like you mentioned, I don't have children right now. So now I'm to be very aggressive to, to be very growth minded 
Yeah, so our goal uh, is first 100 units, which we might actually be at by the end of this year. So we have a 12 and a 33 unit we're negotiating on. Um, but then start to partner up, right? Uh, Bedros, it wants to partner on some property. So start to partner up, share, share the wealth, no pun intended. But like, you know, my wife and I are already financially secure at 32. Now we want to expand and grow and, and you know, yeah. income and impact, right? But yeah, we want to, you know, partner up, uh, bring on other people, you know, maybe syndicate a few deals as we get bigger and bigger. Um, but right, maybe trade that seven unit to a 40 unit, that 40 unit to a 200 unit, and just recycle the money. Uh, and keep growing, man. So a thousand is the goal. I don't know why. It sounds good. So I like, I'll decide I like, when I get there. I like, I like a thousand. I like a thousand. That's yeah. that sounds like a good number yeah. to me. Um, yeah. But and using it as a platform just to teach, man, just to educate. Um, someone emailed me the other day when I sent out an email to my list. Like, if you have all this money, why? And they weren't being rude. They're just like, why do you do YouTube videos? Why do you do podcasts? Why do you write emails? Because, man, like I said, God created us to give and to grow. And what's the point of, you know, one thing, Wes Watson, whose event we were at, yeah. he, he's a strong character, man. Like, yeah, he, he's is. intense. And not everyone resonates with everything he says. I don't resonate with everything he says. But one thing he said that I really resonated about is he's not the type of guy to hide what he's accomplished because he wants to share with people. So he'll take when people come up to him and they're like, how'd you get this car? What, what are you doing? Or like, what, you know, either I will sit and talk to them versus the multimillionaire who fucking, excuse my language, but freaking wears gap and like, you know, I don't know, like hides themselves and like drives the Honda because they don't want to, they don't want to reveal and they don't want to share and they don't want to do that. And that's, I resonate with that so much, man. It's like, what's the point of taking all this knowledge with you to the grave or teaching my two or three kids one day? It's like, man, like you said, we can, we can reach millions of people. So I believe, you know, if God gives you adversity, it's because he wants to see you succeed because adversity creates the equal seed of opportunity for growth. Yeah. And if you get success, it's your duty to share. You have to share it back or else you're selfish. You know, that's you're absolutely right. That's right. I read a book called, where will you be in five years? And I don't subscribe to the five year thing because five years ago, you probably would not would have, you, you, there's no way on earth five years ago, you would be like, I own this many properties and this is what I do for my life. No. So, but that book did tell me that it did find me this and a, and a mentor of mine, Kirk Weisler told me to read the book. It's almost like a picture book with big text, but it asks you questions. And what it does is it gets you to ask, it gets you to find out what your purpose is in life is, what your mission statement is. And through that book years ago, years ago, I figured out my, my personal mission statement in life is to motivate, inspire, and educate others to live a more successfully, successful and healthier life. That's Nick's mission in life. Now, I can do, and, and, and look, look at what I do now. I do, I make money by doing that. And there's nothing wrong with making money and doing that. But I wasn't even doing what I was doing, what I'm doing now. But I just knew by ans asking these certain questions and diving into myself, that is what I, and then over a period of time, as I, I leaned into more of that, leaned into more education, leaned into more people and sharing, I was like, holy shit, man, this is what I'm doing now. That's it. You That's know? it, man. I believe in that. Um, and then I'm glad you were going to ask you, well, what, what, what was your mission statement? So I agree, man. We're all, we, we need a higher calling. And the people who are, I'm not going to overstep here, but you know, people who are depressed are people who don't have a meaning in life. You know, they don't, they don't have, have that purpose. Purpose. Yeah. Like you said, 
to impact, to inspire, and to, to create, to impact and experience is the biggest thing. So that's why, you know, we share That's why you do what you do. Why I do what I do. And that's, that's the power Tony, of it. Man. Tony, what time do you, what time? Let me, let me ask you this. What time do you wake up in the morning? That's a great question. You know, Nick, I teeter from setting an alarm versus not setting an alarm. Because I find when I set an alarm, I always feel like a little anxious at night. Like, oh, shit, if I'm up past this time. I actually wake up earlier with an alarm. So I naturally wake around 530 to 6 every day because I'm just like, it just I feel my natural circadian rhythm is the best with that. I've done earlier, and I just crash, man. So good reminder, too, for anyone entrepreneur. I know some people who sleep in till 10 or 11, but work till 2 or 3. You just kind of have to. When I first quit my job, I'm like, I have to be up at like 4.30 every day because that's what The Rock does, and that's what every book says. You have to find your zone, man. And I read that Jeff Walker, the founder of Product Launch Formula, like one of the original guys on the internet, back when you would like dial up internet, when he's like, you know, I, I don't I don't set an alarm because I just naturally wake up and that's when I feel the best. I experimented with that and that's that's what I found. But so like five thirty to six is where I feel the best. And is it do you feel like it's consistent? It is. Now if I set an alarm, it kind of gets like thrown off, you know what I mean? But I, I obviously will have to do it sometimes, but 536, and the most important thing I ever did, and just such a good task for anyone listening, I do that seven days a week. I would try to, like, you know, sleep in on the weekends because that's what you're supposed to do, you know? I feel way worse. Seven days a week, consistently through that time, man, that's how I feel the best. Yeah, I do the same. I, I started a while back, I started doing the same thing. I found that, you know, uh, consistency, like, we, we don't live a, a Monday through Friday work life. Like, it's just one like I don't even understand like what day is it or that yeah, I, I go by almost dates because I'm like, I don't give a shit what day it is. You know, it doesn't really matter. To yeah. Me. Um, so, so I find, I find that the most successful people have the same schedule. It's almost seven days a week and it just stays the mm -hmm. same. They almost, they wake up at the same, they have the same routine and it just, and what I, what I teach to my like mentorship group is, is, is compounding interest. If you can do this thing seven days a week you're, and you do this, whatever your morning routine is, like me, I, I love the whole GSD, right? Get shit done time. So I wake up early. I got the GSD. I do, I do that before the baby wakes up, before the wife wakes up, and I can get done exponentially more in that day. You know, I don't work out. I don't do, you know, I, don't, I, can, I find time to work out. I'm blessed, right? I work out at a different time. But that time, no one's bothering me. My phone's not going off. No one, no one gives a shit what I got going on. I can get things done. So curious for you. So when you wake up, what is your morning routine? Do you go and like sit out back on your green grass or in the snow and meditate for thirty minutes? Do you know? Do you do? Do you do your biblical stuff? What is your morning routine? What is what makes Tony tick and, and be successful in his day? That, that's a great question, man. Uh, definitely don't go sit in the snow. I, I don't love. So that's definitely not it. But uh, no, to, to your point, it's seven days a week. It's consistent. And, you know, I'm just such a big believer in whatever works for you. So what I'm going to share is what someone else has to do, but it's what works for me. So wake up, dude. First thing, as soon as I wake up, so like probably in alignment with what you do, like Pedro does, I don't like lay back down. It's like I'm up. Like I just get up. I just thank God. First thing I do is I say thank God. Cause no matter what, I woke up. Be no thankful. matter what happens. Be thankful. Yeah. Yeah. What? Rule number one, be thankful. I always say that the, the, the most successful people do three things. 
They're very grateful for what they have. They're very, uh, they're very giving up to others, and they're vulnerable. Those three traits. But anyways, go ahead. You're thankful. Go. I love that. Yeah. So thankful. I have water right next to the bed because I'm a big believer in just commitments and consistencies, right? Water, chug water, get ready, put my gym clothes on that I laid out the night before because I'm just a big believer in removing unnecessary decisions. We get decision-making fatigue as entrepreneurs. I used to dude, spend 10 minutes being like, well, shit, these orange Nikes don't match with the blue shirts. Let me in. It's like, no, so I just lay it out the night before, man. So I don't have to think about it. It's like automatic. The water's there. I'm up. You hit the floor of water. Gym clothes. Boom. Done. I'm blessed like you are. My our bedroom's upstairs. I walk downstairs. The dogs are sleeping. I don't have kids, right? So I'm, I'm kind of blessed. I can just get right to it. Dogs are sleeping. Come in here. I have a journal in here. I, I just feel that I do really well with just like downloading what's in my brain and putting it down. And I've got... I'm such a believer in this is write down your goals every day as if you've accomplished them. I didn't know exactly what I would be doing, but I knew I would be a millionaire by 30. And I wrote it back when I was in credit card debt. I don't know how, but I, I knew it. I wrote it. I commanded it. I willed it. I believe our subconscious brain is malleable and it will respond to command. So every day I write down like the commands that I want my life to be, write down what I'm grateful for, just whatever. I've got books and books and books that have like proven like this came true, this came true, this came true, right? Um, so I do that. Same thing with you. I've got like a most important task, right? If I can work on it right then and there, great. It's like filming a video. I don't want to wake, you know, my wife up or stir up a house. So I don't do that. I just go to the gym, back by the gym, no later than 9 a.m., start the day, crush out those most important tasks. I don't take any like busy work. I don't even open emails to like 11 because there's nothing vital in there. I don't take any meetings or appointments like this till like three, right now, 3.30 EST. I get all the creative, productive stuff done in the beginning of the day or any like sales things. Like I would never do late sales calls. Prospects would hate it. They're like, no, I'm, I'm available at seven o'clock. I'm like, dude, if you want me, if you want the energy and the passion, you're talking to me at 11 a.m. Yeah, that's it. And then we're done by five, six. Some days it goes later if it has to. Done by five, six, and we just do the family thing. But like you said, doing that consistently I don't have to work 16-hour days anymore. Right. Now, if I have to, I will. But because of 12 years of, of doing things like this and, and working on weekends, you know, the, the weekend uh, is modified if I'm not working until like 6 or 7. But I'm doing that morning routine, and I will push the needle forward like an hour or two hours on the weekends. And Bader saw me that. Working on the weekends as an entrepreneur compounded for a decade, you blow past everyone else. Because everyone else is, no, no, no. It's the weekend. Weekend, I, I I want to disconnect, right? I'll put I'll, I can still put six hours on Saturday. This is the re, this is the way weekends don't mean anything. I can put six hours, you know, I'll work on Saturday, but because I do what I do, if I go, hey Rebecca, I want you to book out uh, Thursday afternoon. I want you to block off my schedule. I'm taking the boat out, and I'm gonna take my family out and go cruise around in the water. What's That's the it. difference in doing that than Saturday? None for me. That's it. You know what I mean? That's the That's reason it. why, but I'm building my own life, right? I'm in charge. I'm the captain of my ship, you know, because I'm patient because I do the compounding work and I stay consistent. Then that's what makes the difference, you know, instead of living by somebody else's idea of life or schedule or making money or whatever that may be. Anyways, Tony, where you, you got, it's more fun taking the boat on a Thursday because no one else is on the water, right? 
you, go. you got that right. That's that's and that's why we do it. <laughs> um, Tony, yeah. where can people find you? Yeah, so just Tony Stefan on like every platform, or if you just plot my name in Google, it all comes up. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, like main platforms, Instagram, right? We have a uh, Facebook community, financial freedom community. I'm in there. I get your emails too. Emails are good. If, you, if you're not subscribed to his emails, get his emails. Appreciate it. So Tony-Stefan.com because someone took Tony-Stefan.com. I don't know who, but they took it. So that's the URL. Um, but yeah, man, that's how you can connect with me. Whatever I can do for you, your audience, please let me know. I really you, you appreciate got, you having me here. You've got some real valuable content in your in the videos that you make on Instagram. I highly suggest people go follow him, especially if you're interested in the real estate world. Um, I've already learned a lot. Uh, it's it's amazing to watch somebody so young because you are still very young to be so successful. And I think there's a lesson there. And I I've always believed especially because of jujitsu, but I've always believed that you can learn from anyone. Like the other day I learned from my coach's son, who's 12 years old, a, a you know, jujitsu move. And I'm like, here I am 40 years old and this 12 year old kid is teaching me something. And it was a value. It was an extreme value, but the guy's been doing jujitsu for like eight years. You know what I mean? So you can always learn something from everyone and be, be open to that, be open to that. And, and the guy has, listen, the guy has a lot of freaking valuable information. So go follow him and go listen. Um, and then go buy his book, go buy his book and, and, uh, and check that out because at, we all need that, especially in this ever changing economy and ever changing world. Uh, we need to stay up on that kind of stuff. So, so Tony, thank you for coming on. Um, and uh, and look forward to to seeing more. Looking forward to seeing that thousand units, man. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much, Nick, and thank you to everyone listening. I appreciate you. Appreciate what you built here, man. So, congrats to you as well.